0: Good morning from WKYT News, I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. I certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later, how carefully is that federal COVID money that's flowing into Kentucky, and in some cases straight to city halls and courthouses being tracked? State Auditor Mike Harmon will join us to talk about keeping watch on those tax dollars later. But first, every 10 years, the U.S. Constitution requires state leaders to sit down with new census numbers and redraw district lines in a way that makes sure people are fairly represented. The Founding Fathers may not have intended it, but in many cases, in many states, it becomes a very political process. How the lines are drawn can have a major impact on who is elected to represent a district in Washington or Frankfurt or even at the local courthouse level. The Kentucky chapter of the League of Women Voters is calling for a transparent process when lawmakers draw the lines at the state capitol. Pregliasco is joining us now from the League of Women Voters to talk some about that welcome we appreciate you uh, being with us very much
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: how did the League uh, get involved in this I know very early on uh, we were hearing from you uh, about the need to be transparent
1: well I think this uh, bill is what's happened the growth of partisanship and gridlock throughout the country has alerted people and so the National League since 2007 has been uh, active in this area. And then the local uh, Kentucky League, we issued a report in early 2017, particularly after the lawsuit and all the uh, trouble that happened after the 2010 census. So that's why we've been pushing this open, transparent, and public input process.
0: So what is the League of Women Voters really asking for as state lawmakers get ready to draw up these lines? They, for what all we know, they may be at this point doing some of that uh, you know, in private uh, before uh, there may be a special legislative session at some point to, to actually make it law.
1: Right, well first what we did both in last year's General Assembly and this year's, ask for a law to provide for an advisory commission. It would take a constitutional amendment to have an independent commission, uh, which means that it would take the uh, decision away from the legislators. We said, okay, let's just have an advisory commission, have public hearings, uh, let everybody draw maps if they want to, and we actually purchased Maptitude, which is the same technology and program that the uh, Legislative Research Commission uses to draw maps, and we've been drawing maps. We think many of them can be fair, can be simpler. Some are okay. Uh, and, of course, there are going to be huge population shifts in Kentucky that are going to affect how these maps are drawn.
0: Right. Uh, you know, the founding fathers uh, may not have envisioned it this way, but redistricting uh, has become very political in, in most states over the years. And, and as you said, uh, continues to grow more and more so. Ideally, what factors do you think lawmakers really should consider uh, when they draw up the district lines?
1: Well, the one that that they don't want to consider, which we think is important, is that they shouldn't look at the incumbents. They should draw the lines based upon the communities. They have to follow the Voting Rights Act. Uh, They have to follow, obviously, the Kentucky Constitution, uh, fair and equal. Uh, The Baker versus Carr, you know, one person, one vote. And then we should have compact districts. We should have communities of interest, and this includes racial uh, communities of interest. And let me give you a very quick example. In Hopkinsville, it's a very compact city. They have three representatives. In other words, they divided up that city. Uh, To us, that doesn't make any sense, and we think those communities, wherever they are in the state, should have a say and should be able to talk about what works best for us.
0: So if uh, the situation exists that you can have uh, one county, have one voice, you think that is better than than being split up as so many of our, our districts are?
1: Well, it's not just one county, but think about it as as some cities, because Hopkinsville obviously is in a large county. The problem is with the the population shifts to the I-75 and the I-65 corridors, there's going to have to be a lot of redrawing, and there'll be a lot of counties in eastern Kentucky and western Kentucky that are going to have to be lumped with other people. But Mm -hmm. remember, we have 100 representatives uh, and 38 senators, so it's a matter of the, the, particularly with representatives, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. Well, let's, so talk, we want...
0: yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about the congressional just for a moment. You know, we do know there has been, and, and these numbers, uh, preliminary numbers reveal, a substantial population shift in Kentucky. Many yes. rural areas are seeing the numbers slip. Uh, people are clearly moving to urban and suburban areas. Uh, so an area like the 5th District, long represented by Republican Hal Rogers, uh, may have to take in a lot of territory while well, a district like the 6th, where Lexington is, uh, c- could become much uh, smaller, right?
1: Yes, and if you look at that congressional map now, you'll see one, we call it, there's a. There's sort of a, a dragon, and then there's like a dog with some ears. Uh, that, ne- that needs to be redone. Uh, what happened is they took Owensboro out of the 1st District, and Owensboro really ought to be in the 1st District. Instead, the 1st District goes all the way from the Mississippi River all the way over to... Hal Rogers Eastern Kentucky District. That doesn't make any sense, even with all the numbers.
0: And then when it comes to the the legislative districts, you know, you will you have some that uh, the geography will (laughs) will be pretty interesting (laughs) as far as how far and and difficult to for some of those lawmakers to uh, to access uh, all parts of, of their district, especially on the on the Senate side.
1: Yes, one of our goals is that these be districts be drawn so that that doesn't happen. Uh, and let me give you an example. There's a, a, a southeastern part of Jefferson County, a little tiny area that's connected all the way to it with the senatorial district down to Casey County. Uh, you know, Again, that doesn't make sense. If you look at the representative uh, groups uh, throughout the state and the Senate, you will see these ribbons, long counties, like you know, four, five, six counties connected that doesn't help people access their representative and it doesn't help the representative either. But again, we don't want them to to, to protect incumbents and we think obviously that that's would be one of the goals and, and both Democrats and Republicans, you know, the uh, Democrats did this for about 40 years and didn't do it fairly. And then in 2010, uh, the Republicans controlled the Senate and they made mistakes and the Democrats controlled the house. They made mistakes. And then that's why, there was the lawsuit because they weren't within the 5% range that they should have been.
0: Well, Dee, you sound as though you're you're idealistic on one hand but practical on the other in in, in realizing what's going on here. So you know the temptation. Uh, Those with control of the process uh, know they can substantially affect the outcome of elections uh, by altering the makeup of a district. How does that not happen when they uh, do these things uh, behind closed doors and eventually uh, present it and, and, and have it voted on?
1: Well, that's why we want it to be open, and we want the maps to be, the proposed maps to be produced early so people can see them and not, you know, vote on a map that you've just seen, uh, you know, for an hour. Uh, so if you, if it's open, if there's public input, then there can be some real discussions about that. And And you're right, there's this temptation that, okay, they did it to us, let's do it to them. What we've tried to say, and we've met with Uh, legislators of both parties and are continuing to meet with legislators of both parties and saying, look, be the good guys. Do it right. Think about good government, regardless of what happened in the past. No revenge. Do it right. You know, we, we did a good job with our election reform. The league didn't support everything in it, but it was overall good compared to other states. So let's show the rest of the country we can do that as far as redistricting.
0: We uh, do have the good fortune of not losing uh, a congressional district uh, this year, yes. so uh, it is just a matter of drawing the lines and not having to uh, uh, maybe put uh, incumbents against each other and that sort of thing, which uh, which we did after the, for instance, 1990 census.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, actually, there there was a lawsuit in 2012, but there have been basically six or seven lawsuits throughout Kentucky's history where it wasn't done the way it should. Be. Should be done
0: and you know the, the courts then say uh, <laughs> go back to work and and redraw so your point right. is uh, get it right the first time right
1: yes exactly what we had proposed with our advisory commission was let us work on this with public hearings all over the state give it to the legislators if they don't like it we can go back let's you know we can tweak it they have the ultimate say and we understand that but again you know if you're part of the process even if you don't absolutely love the outcome i think that people are much more satisfied uh i think we we know for sure it will keep the gridlock from happening as as bad as it is right now and hopefully cut down on the partisanship if people are involved and these are our representatives you know we don't want them to draw the 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 maps in the basement (laughs) of the state capitol at the last minute without public input.
0: Dee, what has the reception been as uh, as the league has uh, gotten loud on this and, and, and public and you're making an appearance like this, uh, calling for it publicly? Uh, how are, are, do you think you're being heard?
1: Well, I think we are. The first, the first uh, responses we got was, well, where were you when the Democrats were in control? And what I have said to all of them is, look, we all should have been paying attention. We weren't, that's our bad, but let's go forward and make it right. So because they're meeting with us and talking about our maps, in fact, we bought Maptitude, like I said, and have drawn some maps, even based on the 2010 numbers. And as soon as all the numbers come out in September, we're gonna redraw them based upon those new numbers. And what we say is, all right, so look, look at some maps, look at this with some public input, let's do the right thing. They're supposedly going to have some um, listening tours. We have not heard any kind of schedule. Uh, There was a hearing uh, on the 15th, June the 15th. We were not on the, couldn't not get on the agenda, but they did accept our uh, report. In other words, we made a statement and report, and we hope to be on the agenda in both July and August to talk about all these details. So I think the door is not completely closed. We just want them to not, so we say get to that revenge point like okay we're going to do exactly what they did to us
0: if people uh, want to be involved in the process and in and in your efforts uh, how can they get more information find out what's going on and, and stay informed
1: well there's several ways one we've been giving uh, now of course because of covid uh, powerpoints all over the state to citizens groups uh, church groups individual groups chambers of commerce rotaries uh, you name it so if you have a group that would like to be more informed we'll be glad to meet with them now we're meeting in person again but we can still do it by powerpoint at the same time call your legislator and say we want this to be an open process and then we have an unoff i say unofficial we have a petition for people to sign to say make it open and transparent and it's not you know one of those that's uh, going to follow some sort of law but it's the idea is to get it to the legislators look people want an open Process transparent. Let's have these these good maps, fair maps.
0: All right, we have your website uh, on the screen now, lwvky dot org. Dee, thank yes. you so much uh, for being with us. We appreciate it and uh, a good conversation. And we'll see what happens. Right.
1: Thank you, and call, call
0: on us again. All right, thank you. we Will do. And we hope you'll stay with us here on Kentucky Newsmakers. State Auditor Mike Harmon will be here in a moment. Uh, what's going on with that money that's flowing in from Washington to Kentucky? We'll get some answers to that when we come back. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Billions of dollars in federal aid is flowing into Kentucky right now. Some of it is being allocated by the Republican-led legislature and some of it is going directly to local cities and counties. Strings are attached and if the rules aren't followed, governments could be forced to return the money to Washington. State Auditor Mike Harmon says he thought this would be a good time to let Kentuckians know more about what's coming and how it can be spent. Auditor Mike Harmon joining now, thanks for coming in. We well, appreciate
2: it. Thank you for having me in. Uh,
0: so the money's flowing. Uh, money's th- flowing. The Treasury Department at the federal level uh, has issued guidance. Uh,
2: what did you hope to achieve by sending out a bulletin from your office about that money? Sure. Well, what we did is, from time to time, we will release, and, and we kind of started under my administration what we call data bulletins, which is just taking information that's normally readily available to people distilling it down and putting it in a format that people can easily understand and see uh, we worked in this particular case we worked directly with the state budget director we appreciate his efforts in getting us the information we kind of quantified it and put it in a little bit of a better format uh, and i just think it's important for taxpayers and the citizens of kentucky to know how their dollars are being spent because even though these are coming in from federal it's still their dollars. How much money is coming to Kentucky? Well, Kentucky as a whole received through the coronavirus relief fund, this is just a a small segment of the overall CARES Act, but they received the state as a whole received 1.732 billion and that way that was a, a Portioned out, the state directly got one point five nine nine billion and Louisville, because they were had a population of five hundred greater than five hundred thousand, was also a prime recipient. They got separately one hundred and thirty three million, so that was portioned out and then the uh, you know obviously the general assembly was not in session during that time frame, so the governor and his staff work to apportion that out accordingly. And
0: then the the money that's coming directly to the local governments. Mm -hmm. uh, that Again, it comes with guidance uh, with strings attached, but yet there seems to still be some confusion out there on the part of the cities and counties of what they can and can't do with the money.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of confusion. This particular data bulletin did not look at the ARPA money. It just looked at the Coronavirus Relief Fund money, and in that particular case there wasn't necessarily a requirement to pass that down to the cities and to the uh, counties however you know thankfully the the governor uh, and his staff made a decision to expend about 20 percent of that forward and on to the counties and cities and as you mentioned early on there was very little guidance you know through the CARES Act our people uh, went Directly worked with the Department of Local Government, and We even taught some classes on normal basic controls. Uh, things like, you know, in a normal course, if a county uh, or a city receives $750,000 or uh, federal funds or more, they expend that in a fiscal year. Uh, they have to do what's known as a single audit, some uh, more uh, greater controls and looking a little bit more deeply. So we kind of went in and, and helped teach some of the areas in that regard
0: with this uh, American rescue plan act mm-hmm. is out there now the, the the new money that is coming in uh, do you think the cities and county governments should be careful to keep that directly in line with health and safety issues or uh, you know places are looking at it different ways lexington is considering an aquatics center with right. uh, part of that Louisville looked at the possibility of spending millions on the tourism promotion Mm -hmm. and and, and eventually uh, backed out of that. Uh, What would you advise those cities and counties to do? Well,
2: in this particular case, um, for the coronavirus relief funds, as opposed to ARPA, ARPA has a little different guidance. On those specifically, uh, there were specific guidelines, with the exception of, say, like public health and public safety. Uh, It had to be something that wasn't previously budgeted. So if you'd already had it in a budget and it wasn't in public health or public safety, you really are not supposed to be using the funds for that. In this particular case, you know, I'm assuming those items are are not uh, previously budgeted. However, I would encourage them, especially for the new ARPA money. You've got and for that money, you've got up until 2024 uh, to be able to utilize those funds. So it's always better that if you don't have to expend it immediately, to take a little time and to give a lot of thought to it before you just run out and expend it.
0: Have you seen anything yet that concerns you about the spending? I know what you've been doing is letting citizens know sure. what's out there. Uh, but, I take it you will also be taking a close look at, uh, at at how it eventually is spent
2: correct. Well, part of these funds, even though this report in its, of itself is not an audited report it 's just issuing the information. parts of this had been audited you know through the uh, two thousand and twenty fiscal year, and then of course, additional funds are being expended through fiscal year twenty twenty one We released you know our statewide single audit volume one and volume two a few months ago at different times and we've already looked at some of this and, and as you remember there was a lot of problems within the office of unemployment insurance at that time so there was some concerns on how that was issued out specifically when they put in place what's known as auto pay paid out roughly six hundred and fifty five million dollars uh with controls taken off it was probably well intended to try to get the money out but it was paid in an environment that was highly subject to fraud so that in and of itself is a great concern and we had me. a lot of fraud and as we well and we have had a lot of fraud
0: and yes. you you highlighted some of that and looked at that we know uh, about all the problems with the system and the delayed payments uh, you know some have now within the administration uh, testified before the legislature and indicated it could be years before this uh, unemployment system can be corrected uh, do you see it that way
2: well specifically the fraud I, I think it is going to take a while to dig out from that because there's there's a lot of things that we have to chase now from the standpoint of getting the the new system up and the system in place certainly that may take a little while but i mean people right now have already many of them still have waited twelve to thirteen months or more without any unemployment uh... so it's imperative at least from that aspect that we get those individuals worked out as we you know complete and work on the system going forward Uh,
0: mr otter you see the help wanted signs across kentucky as as all of us do Uh, mixed reaction though, to governor Bashir's incentive plan to try to lure people back to work uh... the the payments come with conditions right uh, but some are out there saying you know should tax dollars go at all uh... try to lure people to work.
2: Well I mean my personal opinion if you're not going to shut down the additional incentives that $300 a week it doesn't take you know a lot of uh, I'm a mathematician but it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that $300 a week for the through September you know is approximately $3,600. $3,600 is greater than $1,500 but you know I think in general uh, from a standpoint you know paying people to work you've got people that have gone to work Every day, you know, our our frontline providers, you know, our grocery store people, you know, and just everybody, hospital workers, you know, just everybody that has gone to work every day, and yet they're not receiving a portion of this incentive if you're going to do that.
0: Is that an area that eventually uh, you will look at uh, those expenditures?
2: Yeah, I mean we will always look if there's expenditures like that. At a minimum it would be looked at in our statewide single audit of Kentucky, you know, maybe even in a higher level. But if we see a great amount of concern then certainly we would look a little more in depth.
0: You know, local governments are now, and, and state government for mm-hmm. that matter, are emerging from a time when they did so much business over uh, Zoom and, yes. and and phone calls uh, if they, they could and city halls and uh, courthouses were closed to the public, do you fear that that, uh, that period of time lessened uh, public scrutiny of what was going on or the ability to ask tough questions and now Kentuckians may be out of practice when it comes to that?
2: Well, I think it's important, of course, you know, I myself love to be in person. I prefer to do this. I mean, I love visiting with you on Zoom, but I love to be in person because you can kind of read people a little bit more. And you were talking about some of the interviews. It would be, you know, a little bit more difficult, but we still did it. Uh, To be honest with you, I certainly want to thank our county officials who worked diligently to make sure that we received we will state as well steve information during that time frame we had people teleworking for the most part we didn't uh, miss a lick we just kept going and doing our work but i think it's much better especially if you're doing those interviews or anything along that line to be in person uh, because some people may not be willing to share as much information you know, over an electronic system that might be, in their mind, you know, m- elsewhere monitored.
0: So. I mean, sometimes people yeah. just would, would come and raise a question before sure. a fiscal court or a, a city council, and that sets off uh, you know, t- yeah. looking into something, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Uh, all right, uh, political question sure. before you go. Uh, you know, on this program uh, about a year ago or so, you right. indicated you are looking at the 2023 governor's race. Correct. What's the reaction been to that? Do you continue to be interested in pursuing
2: that? Continue to be. Of course, you know, we're still out working hard for the auditor of public accounts, uh, doing our day-to-day job, but certainly I'm termed out, so I am still leaning heavy and likely to head in that direction. Uh, My guess is you will probably see something in the coming months uh, to be more clarified that position. You
0: know, you no longer have to choose a running mate before the primary, but that could work two ways. That could also mean that somebody who uh, finishes back in the pack Mm -hmm. in the primary could potentially be a lieutenant governor candidate. Exactly. if that should be the case might you be interested in that
2: uh i would certainly uh, entertain that if for some reason if i was not uh, selected uh, at the top position. Uh, the other thing that it does, it certainly allows, you know, individuals to kind of get out uh, ahead of the game. You know, years ago when we repealed public financing in the governor's race, we accidentally repealed the gubernatorial exploratory committee. So in some ways, it goes a little further, but in some ways the way that they've passed the legislation now, it actually almost acts as a gubernatorial exploratory committee as well.
0: State auditor so, Mike Harmon, thanks for coming by as always.
2: Appreciate you. it very
0: much. And we hope you'll stay with us. We will be back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The airline industry was hit hard, almost grounded by the pandemic. And now a new set of problems is canceling flights and frustrating customers. Our chief national political analyst, Greta Van Susteren explains.
3: Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren and here is your full court fast break. For more than a year, the pandemic disrupting travel. Now business people and tourists are itching to get out. But the airline industry is struggling to meet the soaring demand. Is it ready? Across the board, airlines slashing and delaying flights. And for the first half of July, the nation's largest carrier, American Airlines, preemptively cutting about 1,000 flights. Some airlines blame these cancellations on the current labor shortage. During the pandemic, airlines offered pilots early retirement buyouts in an effort to save money and get people off the payroll. Now they are scrambling to replace those pilots. Delta announced it will be hiring 75 pilots between now and August. Delta also says by next summer, it will add 1,000 pilots. As for furloughed pilots, they would be back in the air, but for months they were not flying or training on simulators. That means their certifications lapsed. Recertification takes time, and it cannot be done fast enough to meet the current spike in demand. But here's what troubles many flyers or would-be receivers of cargo from those planes. The federal government, in response to the pandemic, gave the airline industry more than $50 billion in taxpayer-finance grant bailouts. That money was meant to keep airlines and their workers afloat so they would be ready to snap back when travel rebounded. So why weren't they prepared for the inevitable uptick in travel? We await their answer. But we do know for the next few months, you can expect rising airfares, changing flight schedules, and inconvenient reroutes. Want more full court press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you.
0: And remember, you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 1130 on WKYT. Already looking ahead to next week's edition of Kentucky Newsmakers, one topic we'll discuss, the opioid crisis worsening during the pandemic. We do want to thank you for joining us for this edition. Now, I'll be returning to the morning news for this week ahead, so we'll see you bright and early on WKYT News, and we hope you make it a good week ahead.